Welcome to episode 11 of The Pursuit Desk, our adventures in business development, marketing, and sales enablement technology. My name is Jason Noble, and I'm your host. Today we have Heather Ritchie, who's actually a former chief knowledge and business development officer. She's actually started her own endeavor where she's helping firms um, leverage their own knowledge regarding clients, industries, and practices to improve their operations and their service delivery. So with that, I want to thank Heather for joining and welcome to the Pursuit Desk. Thanks so much, Jason. I'm excited to be here. Such a privilege. Thank you. Excited to have you. So I think one of the things that we wanted to, or that I really wanted to drill into, because I always find it fascinating how um, knowledge managers and business development folks, they always have a, a very, specifically in legal, they always tend to have some level of previous law experience. And so you actually started as a practicing lawyer. So I'm really interested to know how you moved from being a practicing lawyer to ultimately being what you are now, which is Chief Knowledge and Business Development Officer. So how, how does that happen? Yes, yeah, so I do have a very circuitous career path. Uh, lots of changes along the way, but it's always been interesting and I've continuously learned as I've gone along. It started off with the practicing law. I practiced litigation for a number of years, realized it wasn't quite for me and hats off to those who can do it. But I decided uh, after after practicing that I'd go back to school and uh, I did my master's in information studies. I thought maybe I'd become a, a law librarian and I liked doing research. Uh, I liked learning new things, as I said. Uh, but when I got to library school, um, the internet was exploding. That tells you how long ago that was. Hi. And I, I ended up picking up things like information architecture and database design, user-centered system design. And beside the library school, they had a, a technology um, a courses area and they offered things like JavaScript and HTML and CSS. So I picked up all of that stuff because I, I really am quite a geek. And uh, I also learned things like cataloging, which I actually think is really helpful because it's all about how you organize information in a logical manner. Anyway, fast forward, I, I graduated. The first job that came up when I was coming out of uh, library school was at a firm, but in their marketing department, they were looking for somebody to do their web uh, site. And when I went in for the job, they're like, oh, you've got an interesting resume. You should, you could probably do other things. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm open to other things. And they said, what do you really want to do? And I said, I've heard of this concept called knowledge management. It came up in my library degree. And I thought that sounded really interesting, kind of leveraging the knowledge within firms. And I said, well, you should talk to our IT department, they've got like an internet and they could use some help in that. So I ended up spending my time part in IT, part in marketing. Um, and I've always been interested in doing stuff faster, simpler, you know, and leveraging tech to do so. And I really hate, hate reinventing the wheel. Um, and I, as I was working in the marketing department, I saw that they were struggling a lot with being able to turn around RFP responses in a, a fast um, manner because these were always very time sensitive and um, you wanted to be able to customize it to the client and you wanted to showcase the work that you had done. So uh, I thought there's got to be an easier way of doing this. So I ended up, because as I mentioned earlier, bit of a geek, uh, building a, an RFP proposal system for them. Generator. Gener thank you. 
that's the word I'm looking for. Generator. Yes. That's what I vote for them. A generator. <laughs> anyway, so it, it allowed them to create that first draft quicker. It also captured information that we had about uh, the RFP, who the client was, what the industry was, the practice areas, the, the lawyers. And uh, it also allowed us to follow up with the lawyers. It would automatically send an email out to them saying, you know, um, uh, did you win this? Did you lose this? Do you not know? And, and then it would send a further reminder if we hadn't heard from them. And so that helped to um, move the work that we were doing up the value chain by, by reducing some of the uh, follow-up work that we were previously doing and, um, and allow us to get that first draft faster. Now I'm, I'm kicking myself because perhaps if I had patented that when I was back in the day, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'd have some more money now. Yeah. Anyway, um, I also helped them though with um, building a, a cases and, and deals repository too, because again, it was about leveraging that knowledge that we had so that we could respond to proposals, so that we could respond to directory submissions. Um, and so that we weren't having to ask the lawyers for the same information multiple times. From there, though, there I was still interested in leveraging my law degree a bit more. A knowledge management position opened up at another firm, so I went and did that for a number of years. And then uh, the chief knowledge officer position opened up at, a, at another firm. And in that case, um, I did that for a number of years, and then I saw an opportunity to sort of take the business development side of things and bring it together with the CAM side of things because there's so many synergies between those two areas. And it was great because the CAM, I had some CAM lawyers that I worked with and they would monitor legal developments and case law. Uh, so they would work with the marketing and BD team to identify opportunities, new trends, you know, for thought leadership purposes. And then marketing and um, could also help the KM with adoption of technology and KM tools, uh, communications, etc. So, so we, we did that for a number of years and it, it worked um, well because, you know, things like who the client is, what the industry is, what the practice area is, is, is useful for both the knowledge management lawyers and for the business development um, people to be able to use in the work that they're doing. And uh, my philosophy has always been, you know, continue to learn and, and uh, from every role that you're in and evolve your skill set and also raise your hand whenever you see an opportunity uh, to, to contribute and to add value and um, also do try to understand the work that other people are doing so that you can help them as well. So then in this um, kind of knowledge management lawyer role, was that, um, were you kind of the, the proxy between the lawyers and the information that the firm had? I mean, you kind of knew where the, the data bodies lied, so to speak? Yeah, I often think of the knowledge management role uh, as the translator between it, the lawyers and different areas within the firm, whether it be finance or tech. And 
I think that there's a, a, as I said earlier, a lot of overlap between the information that is needed in these different areas. And so uh, I would often work as a knowledge management lawyer collaboratively with the marketing teams so that they could get the information they needed for their deals and cases um, uh, repository, for example, because maybe I had uh, read the closing agenda and or I'd heard the lawyers talking about it at a practice group meeting. Um, so I could often, or if I hadn't read the closing agenda, I could easily look at the closing agenda and say, oh, by the way, these are the parties. This is the size of the deal. This is the deal, the date, the deal closed, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that would allow in um, the marketing and business development people to come to me and, and not, um, uh, have to um, go to lawyers for some of that um, basic information, and instead they they could um, it, you know speak to a lawyer about some of the critical pieces of of the deal, like what made it unique, um, you know, it, for the purposes of a directory submission, for example. Got it. Yeah. So directory submissions is actually uh, pretty interesting. That's a, a pretty uh, onerous process that seems to be continuous month over month um so is there so were, was your kind of proposal generation solution or kind of the, your activities related to business development did that also help with those directory and kind of chamber submissions as well yeah absolutely because if you have that repository of information um for say the last year you can draw on that and you'll know what your most significant cases are, what your most significant deals are. And then, you know, um, it, those can be um, somewhat time consuming to, to compose, but if you've got that basis um, to start with, it, it's, it's a lot less painful. And besides, what's nice about if you can do it at the time, when I say do it, I mean, if you can capture the information about the matter at the time when it's fresh in people's minds, as opposed to six months down the line when the submission is due, um, it is it's it is easier, and you're going to get, I think, better information. So I think in terms of you know things that I've learned over the years, um, being able to um, to automate and extract information from available systems is uh, really helpful um, because then you can limit the ask of being able to rely on others, whether it's your professional support lawyers, your, your KM lawyers, assistants, to provide information that um, is important but uh, doesn't require necessarily uh, the lawyer's time. That would be fantastic. And then, um, as I said, limiting that ask to what's really essential. You know, what what was unique about this deal? What was significant? How was it different? Uh, so that um, you can get those key insights and not have to delay the lawyer from from focusing on their client work, which is obviously where their their real interests lie. They want to deliver the best service possible and uh, they want to be working on the work. So if I was to ask you, um, you know, what, what's the hardest thing about business development um, experience and expertise management? What's the hardest thing? What would you say to, to that type of a question? I definitely would say that finding lawyer time is uh, one of the hardest things because they are so busy doing the work and that it can be challenging to get some of their time to, to debrief on a matter. Um, 
And so that's why I would always try to look for whatever ways I could to, to streamline that process. Um, I think the other thing, if I had to say more than one, <laughs> I would say keeping that information current, uh, if particularly if you're relying on self-reporting from um, a lawyer. So that's why I would look for ways that I wouldn't necessarily have to rely on the lawyers to self-report. So if there's ways to capture data, uh, then, then you know, start there. Um, now with the likes of, uh, you know, phase and task codes, for example, if you've introduced those in your firm, you know, if you get to a certain stage and they say, for example, that they've gone to mediation, you might be able to ask, well, who's the mediator? Or, you know, if they've gone to trial, they've had a day at the trial, you can say, well, who's the judge? Or um, so, so there are ways potentially to, to try and solicit some information along the way um, as well. Yeah, that's interesting. So when it, as it relates to more on the, you mentioned some pretty significant um, events and kind of the, on the litigation side around who the mediator is, who the, who the judge is, do you, are there any of those kind of significant events as it relates to the evolution of a more of a transaction based matter? Oh, it's been a while since I've done deal work, but I'm pretty sure there is. Um, you know, like if a closing agenda has been created, for example, that is a really good time to ask the lawyer, okay, well, what's, what's going on with this transaction? Where is it going? Um, who's involved, etc. cetera. Uh, if you, if <laughs> I know of some firms where... Uh, this was back in the day before uh, now things have gone electronic, which is amazing. But it, at one point it was like, okay, well, if if in the um, boardroom booking system, there's a closing, you know, the closing is happening. So then the next day you follow up with the lawyer. So the closing happened, uh, uh, you know, tell us a, a little bit about that deal. So like I said, there's all sorts of different systems out there that you could potentially harvest to get some useful information, or at least to know um, where a matter stands in the matter life cycle. And uh, there's more sophisticated systems than that. Um, and I think now with um, AI, uh, there'll be even more opportunities to kind of auto detect those phases in a, in a, a matter life cycle yeah. and delivery insights. Yeah, and that's actually some of the stuff that, uh that we do. So it's kind of interesting, <laughs> um, you know, more of the manual process. I always love, love learning, you know, how are firms doing it now without technology? Um, Cause it's always, it's always fun to realize that most of the time it boils down to some Excel sheet somewhere, <laughs> you know, everybody uses Excel for <laughs> pretty much everything. So. Yeah. So speaking of, of technology, have you found that there's, certain um, pieces of technology that are, are really critical for the business development role? It's funny that you say that about Excel because uh, I have spent a fair amount of time in Excel, uh, but I would say that that will vary depending on the number of lawyers, the office, the, sorry, the number of offices, um, the languages, you know, the jurisdictions. And so it really depends on the size of the firm. Uh, the larger firms are going to need sophisticated platforms uh, to collect and, and manage expertise and, and the business pipeline. Um, 
so technologies to track info about clients and opportunities uh, is is important. Um, I feel like a client relationship management system is table stakes. It would be hard to function without it. Um, I think that a proposal management system, once you're over critical mass and, and you're producing, say, more than two a week, uh, a Word template and Excel spreadsheet is not going to cut it anymore, uh, or, or it's going to make it more difficult and, and take you longer. Uh, so if you have a way to track your responses quickly and efficiently um, and pr produce the first draft uh, as quickly as possible so that the lawyers can focus on, you know, the pricing and the service team, uh, that is really helpful. And in terms of managing expertise, you know, it, it, the larger the firm, it's going to be critical to know who uh, has experience and has done particular types of work at what level and uh, that enables you to put together those service teams so that information is really important the challenge of course again is keeping that current if you're relying on self-reporting so to the extent that you can extract that information uh, from dockets uh, from documents I think that can be very helpful and can um, mitigate that issue somewhat. Uh, I do think uh, that technology is, is important, but not the be all to end all, and that having um, top-down leadership support for uh, business development and for the adoption of new technologies is critical. Mm -hmm. And you also need the buy-in from the lawyers. And so I do spend a lot of time thinking about adoption and communication and it's specifically communicating the what's in it for me. That is always one of the first things that in building an adoption plan, I set out. There has to be, you know, at least three or four points as to what's in it for the lawyers, because if they don't see the value in the system that you're delivering, um, you are going to have a very hard time trying to get uh, buy-in and resources to implement the next system that you want. So I think it's fundamental that that anybody on the tech and BD side um, spend quite a bit of time thinking about that as part of their rollout plan and part of their sustainment plan as well to keep that top of mind that there is value that is being delivered, that it is helping the lawyers in, in their business in a number of ways. Yeah, I think it's, it's really important both at the at the beginning of these projects, um, as well as after the, they've been, you know, in operational mode for six months or so to really revisit and make sure that the, whatever solution it is that you're providing is actually um, realizing that what's in it for me, right? So if, if, you know, you originally state that, hey, what's in it for the individual lawyer is that they're able to easily find um, folks with specific experience or they're able to respond to more RFPs or they're able to increase the quality and the responsiveness to those RFPs, it's important to revisit that, right? So even if, if um, because a lot of the times like you'll, you'll hit some of those marks, right? You might get 50% there, but if you're not revisiting and constantly asking yourself, hey, here was our original mission, are we hitting that mission? 
um, you know, at the end of the day, a year down the line, two years down the line, folks might look back and say, well, no, we really, we really didn't. And the time to, to make those corrections is, you know, early and often as opposed to, to waiting a few years when there's a big reevaluation of the, of the implementation. I, I think that's tremendously important. Um, and, and sometimes in our desire to continuously improve, we move on, we move on to the next project as well. Um, but I, I think it is important to go back to those KPIs and uh, that you hopefully have established at the beginning of your project and assess how you're doing against them. I also think um, that storytelling can be very helpful and collecting those anecdotes of um, lawyers' successes are fantastic evidence, uh, even though it's not uh, qualitative in nature, uh, I think can be very compelling. I do recall doing uh, a rollout of a, a software and um, initially was confronted by a skeptical lawyer. And uh, a couple of weeks later, he, he let me know that, that he had had some uh, great success uh, using the tool. And I was like, okay, this is a red letter day. Right. <laughs> I'm promoting this far and wide <laughs> because uh, uh, it, it said a lot that he, he found this very helpful. And um, you, you, so I recommend uh, capturing those anecdotes, reaching out to people. Have they had successes or have they had challenges? So like you said, you can course correct. Um, and uh, to the extent that they've had some successes, you make sure you report those and not just to leadership, but um, to their colleagues and peers as well. Yeah, it's interesting on, on the, the storytelling front, Gartner actually had some research that positioning success or positioning value is really most impactful when you tell stories. And so they have a, a framework that's um, SIR, which is situation, impact, and resolution. And so it goes something like this, where you, you state the situation. Um, currently, it's difficult for uh, lawyers to generate winning proposals the impact of which is a loss in revenue. And then you talk about the resolution. The resolution is that final step that says, you know, using this new system or, or what have you allowed lawyers to uh, respond to more RFPs, increasing revenue by 30%, right? So if you follow that SIR flow, you really have a consistent message, again, what what situation were we in? What is the negative impact of that situation? And then finally, how we resolved it. So storytelling is a, a huge tool as it relates to, to adoption because a lot of the times people just, they relate more to the situation that they're in than talking about the outcome. Like, you know, if you tell someone, hey, you're going to generate more revenue, it's like, okay, great. But if you tell them, you know, why, what's the blocker to generating that revenue, they're much more likely to attach to that particular story. Yeah, it makes sense. It's very compelling, I think. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, the people. So are there, I guess, characteristics or capabilities or behaviors that you've observed um, amongst, let's go with the most successful business development managers or business development uh, representatives? Are, are there characteristics that you've seen? Yes, I think there are a number of characteristics that are common in successful business development man managers. And I, I could 
rhyme off a, a handful of them and then maybe describe in more detail um, why I think those would apply. But I would say that uh, the most successful business managers at law firms um, tend to be persistent, uh, adaptable, obviously smart, uh, hardworking. You have to have that can-do attitude and uh, resilient. Um, also inquisitive, I would say, and, and have that growth mindset, willing to, to learn. Uh, and lastly, I'd say you need to work well under pressure. Mm. So with persistency, tenacity, there is going to be following up multiple times. As much as I would love to automate all follow-ups, it's, it's not going to happen. Uh, and so um, you have to recognize that um, you're, you're dealing with very busy people who have a lot of competing priorities. And so you need to get their attention and you need your answers and, and you need to convince them of, of getting on board with some of your ideas. So oftentimes that does require some persistence. Adaptable, I would say, is important because um, you need to understand lawyers and their personalities and uh, what approach they like to take. So some like emails, some like calls, some want you to come to their office. Now that was pre-COVID. And in fact, I have a friend who writes her emails with all caps in the in the reline saying, pretend I'm in front of you in, my, in your office. <laughs> so um, uh, you, if you can figure out what approach works best with the person you're dealing with uh, and adapt accordingly, I think you'll be more successful. That takes time. And sometimes you can get people that can give you advice because they might uh, have had interactions with person in that office and maybe you're not um, used to dealing with that person or it's, it's, a, it's somebody new to you. So uh, I think that can be helpful if you can adapt your style to their style. Smart because you're going to go toe to toe with some some really intelligent people. And if you are interested in, and willing to learn what they do, uh, I, I think that goes a long way. I think having a client service mentality is key. So the clients are expecting that of the lawyers. So the lawyers are expecting that of their staff. So being hardworking, um, saying I can figure out a way to, to do that is really important as opposed to saying, nope, that's, that's not going to work. Hmm. On the flip side, uh, business development managers need to be resilient because you will be confronted sometimes with a no. But oftentimes it's really not a no, it's a not now. Hmm. And so recognizing that you might bring that forward at a different time or change your tactics or approach in a way, you might be more successful down the line. So it's extremely important to play the long game and um, be sure to, to count minor victories along the way to, to sustain you. Um, I, th I think the resiliency is very important. And growth mindset, how can we serve the client better? How can I add more value? How can we grow the business? Where are the opportunities? Uh, focusing on growth is key in this role. And finally, the, the working well under pressure uh, business development area is often there's time constraints around it and the lawyers themselves are under pressure. They hold themselves to high standards. They have tight turnaround times and accuracy and precision are really important. And the same goes for work that's done on the business development side of the house. 
could probably go on. There probably are even more than oh, that, okay. but uh, <laughs> it's quite a few. <laughs> that last one of accuracy and, and precision is actually, you know, I think that that speaks a lot to how technology can, can help in this area. Ensuring that, that what you're presenting is, is accurate, is up to date, um, is the latest, greatest information is pretty important as it relates to, to winning new, new business. So that accuracy and precision, I think, is, is a really good, really good characteristic. Well, and I think you undermine your credibility if, if the work product that you yourself are producing is, is not um, as uh, up-to-date or as accurate as, as it could be, you know, through um, kind of obtaining information that may be around and available. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that, you know, you mentioned how the generating that kind of first draft of a proposal that'll go to the lawyer for, for review. And I think the more complete, accurate that first draft is really, if you, let's just say that you had a perfect proposal that went to the lawyer in, in the first draft and, and he or she had few, if any comments, you're building trust, right? You're, you're actually saying, exactly. Hey, what I'm, what I'm going to present to you is actually pretty close to what you're going to present to your client. You might have some different um, verbiage, some technical verbiage that you might want to say, Hey, we should, you know, hire this or um, highlight this, our experience in this particular Senate bill, you know, so you might pick out some things. Um, but if you give them a professional first draft, they're going to have more confidence in what it is that, that you're providing to them. And that includes things like, uh, typos and grammar like that needs to be right um, and uh, so sometimes you need to take a bit of time to make sure that that is proper because again um, you don't want to undermine your credibility so uh, but that sometimes can be a, a hard lesson to learn and and when you're under time pressure and you have to turn something around quickly um, that it, it can be challenging but it's very important. Yeah. And I think, so what we've noticed is that the, the first few, few, I guess, interactions with a particular lawyer that a business development manager has, sometimes it's just getting acclimated with their writing style and kind of how they yep. present things. And so, you know, those things will be learned over time and there might be some initial, um, I guess, uh, uh, conflict, if you will, just figuring out their particular writing style. But after that, once you figure out their writing style, if you can continue to present to them the right information, grammar is correct, obviously typos, the experience that you're, you're um, stating that they should highlight, as long as all those things are in place, you're really starting to build that relationship. Agreed. So um, one of the last things that I like to, to ask is kind of looking into the future 12 to 18 months or so, um, are there significant shifts that you, that you believe will be transformative, whether it's in technology? A lot of folks are talking about this whole, you know, what COVID has done, um, but it, is there anything in the next 12 to 18 months that, that you think is, will have a significant impact on, on business development? Well, certainly with COVID, uh, I suspect it has accelerated a lot of uh, digital transformation efforts. You know, being able to access um, knowledge from anywhere at any time 
uh, is going to be critical. Uh, so that's, in, in my world, that's very exciting uh, to hear that. And so um, making that information available um, is exciting. Um, but I, I also think that uh, what is coming down the pipes and what firms are already, some of them, uh, interested in and, and um, trying out is around uh, data analytics, uh, data mining, data visualization. And I think right now, compared to in the past, there's, there is an ability with technology to integrate platforms uh, and so that you can pull data from disparate fragmented systems together to get that holistic view of the client or the industry or the practice and be able to deliver the, that information in a visually compelling and understandable way set in real time, like more of a self-service mo uh, model so that um, lawyers and others can really spot insights, see trends, uh, and opportunities. So that really gets me excited. Uh, I think that, you know, if you're able to see a client and fees over time, is it increasing or decreasing? That's a lot easier to understand with a, a like a waterfall chart or, um, uh, you know, some sort of, of chart than a long Excel spreadsheet, right? Uh, so I think we were We'll see more investment in that area and the firms that can pull that information together and yet can visualize it in a way that is meaningful I think we'll add. So I, I wanted to thank you for being here but I also wanted to you know talk just share with you us what what you're doing now I know that you're kind of in a new endeavor and you're um, doing some new stuff is there anything that you want to share with folks? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just helping firms with their uh, knowledge management and business development and uh, assisting with uh, strategy. Um, and uh, I'm also, given my uh, geeky nature, I'm, I'm, I'm playing around with Power BI and uh, I, I think the opportunities for some of the that this data analytics platform be it Tableau or you know um, others out there I, th I think that there's a lot of potential um, to leverage those type of platforms or to, to to create those kind of visualizations that will give firms that those those targeted uh, strategic um, insights that allow them to determine which initiatives to pursue and which ones not to pursue. Mm. So um, that's kind of where I'm spending my time right now. Uh, as I said, I'm always learning new things. I'm, and, uh, and I'm even improving some of my Excel skills. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I knew everything there was to know about Excel, but nope. Nope, there's still more. It's <laughs> yes, pretty powerful. <laughs> well, good, Heather. I really appreciate you taking some time um, chat with us a little bit about your experience. I think that it was it was really valuable just learning, you know, more about some of the challenges that you've seen, some of the technology that's that's super valuable. You know, that 
that concept of storytelling and those kind of characteristics of effective business development uh, managers. Just wanted to thank you again for, for taking some time to, to speak with us and uh, wish you the best. And if you wanted to kind of, do you want people to reach out to you on LinkedIn or what's the best, best way to get in contact with you? Sure, that would be great. Thanks very much, Jason. It's been my pleasure to uh, talk with you. I've enjoyed it. Uh, and I've learned some new things too. So yeah. that's be great. Gonna have to look up the sir. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think that there is a really interesting way of, of casting, um, you know, the, and trying to, to sell adoption, right? Absolutely. So thank you. All right, Heather, when we will talk soon.